Welcome to Bandwidth, the podcast about band directors and how we combat burnout to preserve some bandwidth for ourselves. Thank you to Evan Fujimoto for the music and to LMC Media for the artwork. If you are listening in Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and give the show a rating and a review. If you're listening in Spotify, I'd greatly appreciate if you give the show a follow. This week, we get to talk with Keith Farmer, band director at Grandview High School in a suburb of Denver, Colorado. Grandview is a big school. It's relatively new compared to its neighbors and is part of the Cherry Creek School District, which is a rather large and very populous area in the suburban Denver area. It's a very high-performing school, both academically as well as in other areas, in athletics and uh, in music and other fields. And Keith consciously made a decision fairly early on in his tenure there. He did open the school, but he chose to say no to field show marching band and the competitiveness and everything that goes with it. And he put a lot of that effort into competitive parade marching and other opportunities for his students in different facets of the music program. Now, for me, that's not to say that I don't like marching band. I love that activity. It, it's, it's rewarding for the students. I can really see the benefits from a leadership standpoint for those students, uh, the community growth and all of that that comes with it. But for Keith, that was a response to the community needs, and you'll get to hear him speak to that a bit. I think he also does a great job of saying no when he needs to and has learned to say no. And he has built and responded to the, again to the needs of his community very well. Uh, something re- relatively new for him is a realization that he needs to do to more to care for himself, and that included taking a step back to look at things. For all of us, it's important that we do that periodically, not just when things come to a head. You know, when you've got some kind of uh, major break, or you're just so worn down that you have got nothing to give. Don't wait for that. Schedule these things in, whether that's a regular chat with people who are in the music field with you, or even those who are not in the field. I think it's really important to get to know our colleagues in the school who do not teach music, who have nothing to do with music, so that they can learn about what it is that you do, and so that you can learn about what it is that they do and there's far more common ground than I think we value. I think we realize a lot of it, but we don't necessarily value all of that. And when we have those kind of connections, sometimes that can be a great release. And having something to do that doesn't have anything to do with music, but it helps to recharge you personally. And um, that's part of your own health and wellness as a teacher. So I think Keith is. I've been doing a great job of that. I've admired his work for a very, very long time. Um, So here we go with our interview with Keith Farmer. Okay, checking, checking. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, should be good. Okay, all right. Well, so welcome. We've got uh, Keith Farmer here. We're at Grandview High School in Aurora, Colorado, a suburb of Denver. And... um, He's doing great things, got to observe the, the 
top jazz band here and those kids can really play, you know, they sight read really well for, you know, uh, for having just come back for, from the break. So that's great. Uh, so if memory serves, you are the first and only band director that's been here. Is that correct? No, I'm actually the third director. Third? Okay. Okay. Um, so I guess as an aspiring or young teacher, like what kind of programs were you looking at as models when you came in here? Oh, uh, um, when I came to Grandview, certainly I was looking at schools, uh, like Cherry Creek or like Cheyenne Mountain, um, here in Colorado would want to try and do, um, all kinds of great things. Another, um, good model was, um, Chatfield, uh, what Doug Dalton did there where they were good at oh, yeah. everything, you know, he was good at all three phases, mudging, uh, concerts and jazz. So I always wanted to, everything that we did to, to be as good as possible. Okay. Um, so like what kind of ideals, um, were you aspiring to like in those, in those early days, like, or those high priority things for you? Well, um, when I first got to Grandview, probably the biggest priority was setting a culture for band, um, the, being the third director in the first seven years of the school, there wasn't really a band identity here. So that's based on everything that was happening with choir and theater and orchestra and, you know, there's excellence and Grandview is a school of everything is excellent. You know, if you're not excellent, it's just not happening. Yeah. Um, so the first thing was to build an identity of, um, you know, community and kids wanting to be a part of something special and a part of a group that could, um, do great things. Um, so that was kind of the first step. Okay. And you feel, you feel like you've achieved that? Well, yeah. Gosh, I mean, obviously your, your students love it, you know, and they're being well. Yes. So you're doing, you're, you're doing a lot of things right. Yeah. Um, was the decision to have the marching band be limited to parade, you know, not doing field shows and being competitive and all of that? Was that yours? Was that an administrative thing? So when the school was opened, um, they made the decision at that time in 1998 not to have a marching band okay. at all. Uh, and so that affected, you know, everything. So, um, we didn't do any marching band at all until 2010. And in 2010, I went with a proposal. Oh, first of all, that's when, um, uh, several of, I had three colleagues that retired in the spring of 2010. Okay. And so that was an opportunity to do some different, um, things when, um, the orchestra teacher and two of the theater teachers, um, retired. And, um, so basically what we had done was a pep band and we performed in the stands at football games. And then there was one parade, I said in air quotes, um, for homecoming that we did. And it became a thing where it was just, um, it became a social thing for the kids, which was good socially, but not good musically. And I felt like it wasn't serving the needs of, um, the program. And so it was like, well, what can we do, um, to change this, you know, to go full on field marching, um, and Colorado at the 5A level was going to be near to impossible with the funding mm. and the culture change and the sports sports is really big here at Grandview. And so, I mean, just like getting a place to practice was going to be almost impossible. So if, if you're new, you're a 5A school, you go in, you know, to events and stuff like that and it can be kind of demoralizing, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that point, I think it was, it was even, 
it was either close to then or not far after then where two other schools in the district stopped. They don't didn't stop marching band, but they stopped doing competitive marching band okay. because they're just getting killed in the scores. And so they adapted their programs to work for them in their communities. And they have tons of kids you know, now, but they're not doing the competitive stuff um, with CBA with, okay. in terms of the marching band championships. They, they do yeah. their own thing. So that was kind of a model too. Um, so the reason I got the idea for the parade band uh, was from my colleague, um, Stoney Black. He was teaching at Air Academy at the time, yeah. and there was a state um, championship at our stadium up the hill here, and um, his he asked to come over because um, they had the, a break between prelims and finals, and he said, hey, can we come hang out at Grandview for a while? I said, yes. And, uh, and so I'm watching him with his students and looking, listening and watching the, the kids communicate with him and how they were talking about how they were so invested in everything. Like, well, you know, how did you do this? And we talked about that. And then I said, well, what would you do if you were, um, you know, in a position like me? And he's like, well, I would do just parades, you know, because you get the best of both worlds. You have, you know, you have a marching band experience. You get a thing where um, the older kids have an opportunity to be leaders and develop that camaraderie. And then, um, but you don't have to go full on the field. You don't have to spend the money for all of that. Yeah, but you money it a lot less. Well, Way less. Money. Yeah, that's a, that thing is a, like money pit. Yes. Even yeah. maybe more so today than ever before. And that's, you know, whenever parents ask, uh, like, well, what's the number reason? And I said, well, so are you willing to raise, you know, fifty to $100,000 every single year to support, you know, the what we would need to do to be competitive at the 5A level with, you know, cherry, the Cherry Creeks of the world mm -hmm. to, to make files. I'm like, every year? I'm like, yeah. And yeah. they're like, well, you know, maybe what we do is okay. I said, yes. I think yeah. it is. So we found a good middle ground and it's something that works for Grandview. Um, another thing that we do here at Grandview is we do the musical in the fall. And then it's kind of the best for everybody that, that we do that um, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. yeah that's kind of odd to a lot of schools don't do that. And a lot of schools don't do that, but it's it's a thing that works for us, and it's been part of the thing since the school opened in '98. And so, uh, anyway, so in 2010, after my fifth year here, um, we moved to this um, parade band, and um, it's been really successful. And it changed the trajectory of the program from you know mediocre to then we were able to really do things, and it's just it just created a more investment from the kids that were better. And it gave an opportunity for kids that weren't as strong to be a part of something that they could be at at whatever level that they were and feel like they were really part of the community. Mm -hmm. And it was the only thing where all the kids in band came together because otherwise it was just five separate classes. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just, it was what changed everything. I'm glad we did it. Got it. No, that's good. And you know, in, in the, in a in an age when school choice is such a big thing in this state, you know, I think it helps to keep you on the map. You know, it's it's um I would say the maybe the biggest advantage of, you know, is marching bands doing the parades and stuff like that. It's you know, it's an expensive business card for the school, essentially. You know, you're the most maybe one of the most visible things about the school in your community. And you know, that yeah, that's that's so good. It's like that that was the reason like at first I was opposed to doing that, the parade when I was at the middle school, but you know, I talked to my mentors and they were like, yeah, I didn't like doing it either, but, um, it keep, it keeps the band, um, in the community's mind, you know, that once a year that you see them and yeah, it just seems like the thing to do when you, when you go, go there. So yeah, that's awesome. So, um, 
we talked about, you know, your love for travel and did you spend some time in Portugal, which I'm super jealous of because yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to go there and just gain 50 pounds as <laughs> me then. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, but I'm sure that really helps you a lot to reset, to recharge, you know, like for me, it's like a creative cultural muse, if you will. Yeah. So what, I don't know what, what does it do for you? Uh, try. I think I kind of said this to you earlier, travel is kind of like my church. That's where I go to, to refresh, renew, recalibrate, reset, um, be among nature, be not among nature, be among other people, uh, observe other cultures, uh, gain perspective of, you know, um, the, the privileges that we have here in this country and the privileges that I have in my life. And um, just kind of seeing the world through other people's eyes and seeing the sights of, of other things that are different than what I would see here in Colorado or anywhere in the United States. Um, and it, it just helps give me um, perspective and um, time to, to think and to be and to, uh, you know, it's almost spiritual for me. I know that sounds crazy. But no, it's just, oh, absolutely. You know, I'm standing there on the edge of the ocean. Um, it's there's there's nothing that can replace that feeling yeah it can be yeah really transformative like i love i love going to japan and on we've gone several times dying to go back i've been stockpiling on yen since the dollar has been so strong and um i'm just i'm itching to go there's an opportunity in march i'm still on the fence about going but um do it yeah it's just like trying to finance <laughs> so so yeah, Money, so you stick it with you. No, I cannot. Um, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out if that's the this trip is the best way for me to experience Japan. You know, or do yeah. I want to do a separate one or whatever? So, right. trying to balance a whole bunch of things. But in the meantime, you know, uh, yeah, I get to come and do this, and this is really refreshing. And you know, it's nice to see more and more people teaching, doing good things. You know, um, you know seeing kids getting back into the swing of it when bands were just on this brink of like, we don't know what's going to happen after this, right? Kids right. not wanting to play, you know, not wanting to turn cameras on, just being so disconnected and they're just coming back together. And, um, it's, it's not what it used to be, but it, it that healing takes time. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I have, um, I told the administrators here about this and my colleagues are kind of in the same boat. Like, this when this group of seniors graduate number one it's a really good group of seniors number two they are the last group that had middle school experience without covid and so we're going to kind of i'm going to teach my tail off but we're going to kind of go off the cliff next year because yeah. every grade below the 12th grade here and for me in my particular program and it's different in each school for everybody you know, yeah. everybody's got a different situation, but that's where, um, that experience is dramatically different. And so I'm going to have to, um, work really hard to maintain the standards of a level of things that we've done just mm -hmm. because kids have had different experiences and you can only take them from where they are, um, yep. where you hope they want to be. Right. And the, and the seeds you plant today are going to help with tomorrow. Right. And that, that's, um, Yes, I'm, I'm seeing more and more, at least at least of the the people I'm observing, right? Seeing so much more um, of this, you know, developing developing the musician, developing the ensemble, not preparing the piece and the performance. Um, and you know, I'm 
I think all of us can make a band sound good, you know, through, you know, by Hover Crook. But, you know, like today when your kid's going through all, all the different modes, you know, and they just know what to do. Um, and then they did it in G flat, which like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I, I can do that. You know, like, wow, these are yeah. And they're advanced kids and they live in this, right? They live in this environment. But, you know, the fact that you're doing that is, you know, it's more than what I, I got in high school. You know, it's um, the, the way that things are structured. I don't think that it would have been practical for us to have gone through that too, right? So that it's, you know, it's really nobody's fault that that, that didn't happen for me. But the situation is different. You know, when our, there's pros and cons of the 90-minute A-B block. And I've yeah. taught... It's my twenty fourth year of teaching. I've taught twenty two of twenty four years on the A B block, so I kind of know all the all the. Yeah, which everybody was afraid of when yeah. block schedules first. Start. They said that this is going to be a band killer, and I mean the bands are thriving. So right, you just have to know how. To, uh, um, you just have to work hard to make sure that you're doing what they need to do, and then know how to be ready when and and so on and so forth. But it all comes back to what we all know is fundamentals. Right. Yeah. And every, every time I met, you know, when I got my master's degree, whenever I had to see a clinic, you know, well, what's your secret? Well, fundamentals, you go hear Alfred, Alfred Watkins talk. What does he say? Fundamentals. You go hear Richard Saucedo talk. What does he say? The secret to the band is fundamentals. You know, when you see the, the guy, um, any of the, the folks, um, that's what they always attribute it to. And, um, that's, that's the biggest difference. You know, if your kids, you could have, and A play in this piece and band B play in the same piece, but um, even if, no matter what, the group that has the better fundamentals, um, it's just going to have a different effect mm -hmm. on the sound. Yeah, and, and, you know, if you're not driving that home every day, you know, and talking about articulation and, you know, the entrance and pitch and balance and all those, all those things every single day, you know, that, um, how what, um, I think this is, this is a quote from, I think the, um, my mentor shared this with me and it was, um, from someone, he was the offensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings when they were very good. This is a long time ago, but he said, you know, um, teach what you have to, but emphasize what you want them to learn. And I'm seeing so much more of that. And then that was a really transformative, you know, time when I, you know, spoke to my mentor about that. And, um, yeah, that's where like my band started getting so much better my stress level came a lot lower. Um, they were so much more prepared coming out of the gate, right? Because they knew, they knew how to count well, like, like they could read, you know, scales, you know, facility on the instrument was not an issue. You know, we like, I never pushed them with speed a whole lot. If you, you got some time in high school to yeah. develop some of that velocity, right? We're just, we're going to do it good. Yeah. We're going to do it really good playing with a good sound. When you mention athletics, like I, it's, I think there's so many kids that are involved in athletics today at crazy different levels. But the one thing that they can relate to in the music classroom that you can um, use as an analogy is, well, what do you do at baseball practice every day? You know, yeah. do you do X? You know, are you doing whatever exercise? Yeah, you're not you're not playing a full on game every day, right? right? Like you're at practice doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, your your basketball practice. How many times are you shooting free throws? Well, every practice, mm. because it has to become automatic, and the kids can relate to that. Like, okay, so this is my, you know, this exercise here in the band is my shooting free throws mm -hmm. when I'm on the basketball team, and um, I think that allows them to approach it um, in a little bit more meaningful way. Yeah, and 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 it's like. 
university. I was, you know, observing Tim today, and he's working. He's uses the the same um, that uh, central musicianship book, right? But you know, he's talking about articulation with them. He's and you know, and going through that, and there's a lot of modeling, and the kids are processing a lot of stuff, right? But then you see them work on the piece, right? You know, you you're doing you're doing the the, the same exercise. You know, they're they're going through a lot of things, and you see these fundamentals carry into the way that they play, right? And it's just like, sometimes they just need that little reminder and that nudge. Okay, this is our base. This is what we go back to, right? And this is cool. Core sell, you know. Yeah. When we don't sound like that, why is that? And what do we know that we can sell? Like, well, exercise 3-1. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's great things. So, um, one last one last question, and then I have some uh, lightning round questions too. Yeah. But, um, so, pandemic pandemic gave us all a chance, right? Kind of focus on ourselves. A lot of people reevaluated work life. Um, you know, um, focus, some people focus on their health, their physical health, you know, some people on their mental health, some both, um, what kind of, you know, what was your journey? What, what came out of it for you? It's different. Uh, yeah, I ever, this is so unique to me and everybody has had their own thing. You know, uh, the pandemic just really depressed me and it was, I was just trying to, I just couldn't wait to get back to quote unquote normal. And, um, and so, you know, I spent the first part just like being sad. And then, you know, uh, we came back in the fall of 2020, trying to do as many normal things as possible here at the school. And, and we did a lot or more than most, um, with that. And do I think that I took care of myself through that? Not really. Um, no. <laughs> so that's come to kind of recently where I'm having to be like, okay, now I'm at the point where I've got to, um, really take care of myself and, and I'm having to find boundaries. So, um, I knew at the end of last school year that I was in trouble. And so I spent this summer, um, with a therapist, um, uh, working through some work-life balance stuff. And I've done that before in my career, but this was like, I had to find some, some harder boundaries. And, um, so did that. I and mean, this has been a difficult semester too, but, um, so between, between that and between the travel, between, you know, just finding out what, what does work for me, what doesn't work for me. Um, I've always been, um, gosh, for 10, 12 years now, I've done working out and training. And so that's helped to keep me healthy. You know, I really tried to eat well. I, I, I did lose 12 pounds, uh, last spring when I got oh. real serious about calorie counting. Um, unfortunately after having a hernia surgery in yeah. September, I've gained quite a bit of that back, but, yeah. um, you know, you can't, I've always been pretty, I know what I'm not on. I can tell that in, you know, how I operate in my teaching and how I interact with folks. And so it's important to me to get sleep. It's important to me to, you know, eat as well as I can. I don't eat great, but I, you know, as well as I can, it's important to me to be healthy, to not be sick, to exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the things, but I can't say that I did it during the shutdown, um, for, you know, some people like did all that stuff during the shutdown and re transformed their life. I was sort yeah. of, like in stasis until you know, things came out of that. And now I'm like, oh, okay. So now that we're back doing all this stuff, you know, last year was like, well, put everything back to normal. And we did, but it nearly killed me. Yeah. So, um, now I'm sort of like, all right, what, how can I do and give my students what they need, but still take care of myself because I'm to the point where I'm not what I need to be for them. 
And so I think, um, and that's different for all of us, right? All of us have different um, ways with that. Um, and I'm still trying to find all the all the answers for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. You you have to have enough to give. Yeah, okay. you have to fill. You have to fill your own bucket before you can fill somebody else's. Yeah, just like on the plane until <laughs> you put on your own mask before you. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, much of the same. And you know, if 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 we want to last at this, right, that has to be, you know, important important for us. And there's so many people that just you know, um, I I worry I worry for them that you know it's their their ambitions are create creating bigger long range problems for them. You know, and and I think we all did it when we were young. You know, I, I just like. I can do everything. I'm, you know, I can operate. Yeah. And it's just so, I mean, even the past five years, it's just, there's just so much more, you know, it's always more, more, more. And I don't mean like in my music classroom, I mean, just everything else, like every it's, it's not being in the classroom, the students that's more, it's the everything else that's more. Yeah. And I know people have said that I sound like an old man now. Um, I remember hearing people say that, but it really is more. I think back when I started, we didn't even have email yeah. all the time. Yes. Nor grades that were electronic. And, now, and even when we had email, there was not an expectation that we were communicating with parents over email. Right. It's just everything is different and consistently shifting and changing and the rules and this and that and the other and the, and all the dynamics of, of everything. So I worry about young people that are coming into teaching. I'm worried about I worry about the young people who came into teaching during COVID. Can you imagine your first year being a COVID yeah. year, and that's your first year teaching? We yeah, we had some. We have some people at our school that um, a student taught during COVID and never really had a true student teaching experience. So they're and they're really rolling them out here when they, the students that have more needs than ever. They didn't really learn, you know, what they needed to, and then their first experiences are harder than anything any of us has ever been through. And, and the dynamics of the classroom is something that they're not familiar with. And they don't have that, you know, helping hand. Like we have, we have a pretty strong mentoring program in, in Hawaii and it's, it's required by, by state policy. So they've, the first few years, you know, they have regular meetings with us and, you know, and I've done some of that. And I'm really hoping this project will turn into more opportunities to, you know, try to mentor people. That'd be great. And, you know, some people, I think the part of it is that some of it needs to be required because a lot of the people that need it most don't know that they need it. Mm -hmm. Like they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And and I think you can see it, you know, you and I can see it because we've done this for, for a long time, but you see, you know, Johnny over at middle school X and, and Johnny's just like flailing, but Johnny doesn't know that Johnny's flailing. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't know to ask and, and not everybody has something that's required to to participate in um, but that's the only way people are going to last in teaching is is having having somebody that can be there for them and support them in a way that helps with the music classroom because it's so different than all the other classrooms yeah and we're, we're so often the only person in the entire school that does does what we do you know we don't have another teaching partner who's also teaching geography you know, or, or, or geometry, whatever, you know, whatever you got, you know, I, yeah. So yeah, that's hard. And I was fortunate, you know, for where I was, you know, that I had mentors coming in and, and helping me or I'd ask questions and we had, you know, I'd reach out to, you know, such and such, um, guest conductor or adjudicator when they would come into town. So, you know, they would, they come in and work with my kids, but you know, again, that's it's more time, right? It's more time, it's more coordination, but it, you know, 
that was such a valuable thing for them to get to see um, Sam Hazel in the flesh and and hear his story about this piece and and how things came to be and it just it brought meaning for them and you know it didn't take a lot of time you know a few emails back and forth and you know um and he was happy to come in and, and do that and you know what a wonderful experience that was but um yeah mentor yeah, key they yeah, me where i am without mentors yeah for sure and then yeah seeing him work it was like oh well, I didn't think of the piece this way, right? But, you know, who's going to have a more in-depth knowledge of that? Education is thievery. What I steal from oh. whoever, whenever. Yeah, they're, they're right? It's a, isn't it, that seemed that, you know, there are no new ideas. <laughs> we kind of reached that point in life, yeah. It's, um, okay, so lightning round questions. Uh, hopefully, real quick. Um, who is a composer that more need, more people need to know about? Composer that more people need to know about? Uh Two of my favorite up-and-coming composers right now are Adrian Sims and Gerard Hall. And I hope I'm pronouncing Gerard's first name um, correctly, but okay. Gerard is a teacher in um, Texas and has written a lot of stuff. And um, Adrian is young. hes I don't think he's completed his undergraduate work yet. Oh, we did a piece okay. of his in 2020 called Contraption. It's a grade five piece that he wrote when he was 17 years old. And so, yeah, a young man who grew up in Seattle, uh, I never met either one of them. I saw Mr. Hall from Midwest, but I didn't talk with him. Uh, and I never met Mr. Sims, but um, I think they're they're doing some really good things, um, uh, both uh, from new music and then arrangements. Um, uh, Mr. Hall did this great arrangement of Locke Lomond um, that's absolutely oh, spectacular, okay. right? And it's not... Um, inaccessible for a younger ensemble. That's great. Um, in addition to other things, you know, at, at uh, all levels. And Adrian Sims, I played him not only with the wet ensemble of Contraption that was a grade five, and then there's like a a couple of play fives of ones that I did with my freshman. Oh, yeah, that they loved uh, as well. So it's kind of a, yeah. That's that's awesome that he does you know that wide range because any young kids deserve to play good quality music. Yes. All right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, so, um, what's a toxic habit that you can work on in the next few months? Toxic habit. Oh, oh man. Well, I worked really hard recently and I'll continue to work hard on, uh, setting boundaries for out of school time. Um, emails on weekends, emails in the evenings, mm -hmm. um, just really trying to have better boundaries about home life balance. Yeah. Um, when I'm in the building and then when I'm out of the building and sometimes you have to do stuff. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I'm like saying I knew nothing outside yeah, of school. It's not like we never respond to an email, but it's just like this one, this one can wait. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably, um, a thing that I, um, have been working on and we'll continue. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. A lot of, a lot of people, um, are starting to draw that line too. So I think we're both in the right, um, uh, right place for that. Okay. Um, non-music things. Um, give me, uh, three absolutely ordinary things about you that you think is boring. Um, 
I love cars. My COVID purchase was a 1975 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Oh, nice. And um, that's because my grandmother had a 74 Supreme. And the crazy thing about this is, is that the guy who helped me get the car that I own now, um, it turns out after he helped me through that, we realized that his dad bought my grandmother's actual car from my dad in 1991, and he still has it. So I got to sit at it one time recently, and yeah, so um, what a crazy world, right? Yeah. Um, so I, that's oh, what. Okay. Um, something else boring. Well, I just I love to travel. I think we talked about yeah. that. Yeah, like my church. And then, uh, all right. Well, first of all, my favorite beverage is Diet Coke, and Jason was nice enough to bring me a Diet Coke here today, uh, which I'm sure is completely unhealthy, but. I have one myself. That's my advice. And then the other thing that I've gotten into um, through COVID is a whiskey and bourbon and uh, did a great um, tour of the Strinahan's whiskey. Place. Oh, okay. And uh, so I'm learning. I learned about that and and uh, gotten into that. And then also did a pork tasting in Porto. Yeah. So I learned about that. Um, so just kind of need me to learn about um, things and to have a greater knowledge of what's good and what isn't and and why that is and some different um, things than I would have done before. So. Okay. Yeah, after this big tour of the um, country, I'm going to, my last stop, I'm stopping in Kentucky, uh, purely to drink bourbon and go to distilleries. Yes. Then, I, then I go home. And yes, we did that there too. I went uh, to Lexington a few years ago. Okay. SBA and yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And um, yeah. That, that's awesome to have interests outside of this. And um, I, I think it's what keeps us whole, you know. I like sports too. Like, here's a secret. Like, I don't listen to music on the way home and back anymore. I listen to sports talk radio because I found myself spinning and, do, you know, like just reliving work stuff and making things worse. And then, but if I could listen to people talk about sports and something else, then, then it decompressed me by the time I got home and I wasn't, you know, I was... Keith instead of Mr. Farmer. Yeah, I'm a I'm a podcast. When I'm exercising, I listen to podcasts. Help out. Yeah, stuff that has nothing to do with music. You know, food things. You know, as as you know, right? I, I like love to cook and, and eat, and so it's some of that. It's it's all kinds of nonsense. Game of Thrones podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, hey, if you ever want to cook something, I I got a kitchen. Yeah. I can't <laughs> can't guarantee I can gladly, help you. But... <laughs> gladly, would love to do that. But thank you very much for, for your time and for allowing me to come in and see your students and for, um, yeah, I know you've got some emails and other things to check and, and take care of. So I do really appreciate this. And yeah, it's always great to see you. Yes. Then, you know, uh, I know an ocean separates us, but yes, it's great to, to have that camaraderie. That's one of the best things about music, right? It's just the people. It's the people that you meet. And connections. These connections. Yeah. The connections that you have that sometimes are, you know, they're, they're made not, not through words, right? Yeah. It's through shared experiences. Thanks, Jake. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks again to Keith over at Grandview High School for hosting me and allowing me to see him teach and spend some time talking about teaching. It was really refreshing to hear that he's constantly reevaluating his role in the education system and how music comes into all of that and how music also plays a role in his life as a whole as well. 
Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would give us a like and a review in Apple Podcasts, that would be great. And subscribe if you're listening in Spotify. Thank you.